0: Hello, hello, welcome back, leading women in tech. I have a treat for you today. I have the fabulous Daria Gutnick joining me. Get to her in just a moment, but a really, really great interview is about to come your way. But just before we do that, a little bit of housekeeping. In case you haven't already, make sure you go and sign yourself up for the Creating Action from Strategy workshop. This is the workshop that I wish. Every leader had so many leaders, so many businesses spent so much time and energy and money and potentially billions in some of these billion dollar companies creating strategy for them to die a slow, quiet death. They just kind of go quiet. Like there's a list, all this excitement at the beginning when their strategy is launched. People are like, yeah, yeah, that's really great. And then everybody goes back to what they were doing before. We've all experienced it. And it is one of the problems with many up and coming leaders. I say problems, maybe that's the wrong word. (laughs) It's one of the challenges we face because there's still the whirlwind of the day-to-day existence, right? This is why I've put this workshop together because there are real actionable tools and techniques that you can put in place to be the person that has a reputation for delivering on strategy while also delivering on the whirlwind of day-to-day because part of the challenge is you can't drop that, right? That's the thing that keeps things ticking over. But the strategy is what keeps your company relevant in the long term, so you can't afford to not do that either. So many companies die a slow, quiet death because they don't evolve and change by delivering on their strategic commitments. And so I've put together this half-day workshop, it's three hours, on Monday, March 7th. It's the morning Pacific time, afternoon in Europe. There will be a recording if you can't attend live, although if you can't at all attend live, even you know, if it's just for some of it, I highly recommend it because there'll be a lot of time to talk to me. It's going to be a small number of women, all in a tech space, all leaders. And you get to ask me lots of questions alongside all the content we're going to be going through. I'm going to be setting you up for strategy success moving forwards. I want you to be the leader who has that reputation for delivering on strategy, because believe me, this is one of the core differences between being a really, truly high performing, successful leader and being a mediocre leader. So If that sounds good to you, head over to tonycollis.com forward slash creating strategy. Okay, let's dive in today's episode. I have the co-founder and product manager of Bunch with me here today, Daria Gopnik. Daria is a self-proclaimed psychologist gone rogue. She was doing a PhD and ended up founding instead Bunch. Um, she talks actually a little bit in today's interview about what it took for her to abandon something that she found worked for her really well in her academic journey and become an entrepreneur. Something that, even if neither of those two things apply to you, actually is quite eye opening from the point of view of having the courage to step away from what you find easy. I certainly had this same challenge myself. I was finding my day to day job very, very easy that I was bored I didn't love it and actually Daria talks about how it's a bit slow and I felt the same way so she's got some nice little nuggets just from her own personal career journey here but primarily I brought her on as a leadership expert and she's got some real nuggets of wisdom to talk to you about today from being authentic to emotional intelligence so this is such a great episode do not skip it (laughs) if that sounds good to you let's go to the show let's get Daria on You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. It's so
1: good to be here and thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, let's start straight off with your personal story. Like, how did you come to be the founder and head of Product at Bunch?
1: Um, so I'm a psychologist by training, but an entrepreneur by heart, I think at this point, I can say that. And um, I also do... Um, have a part of myself that is a scientist. So I spent some time in academia and I think Bunch is kind of the culmination of like these three things. It has lots of scientific roots. We have scientific collaborations. Um, it allows me to help people to learn about how they work, aka psychology at work in a way. And it um, allows me to use my entrepreneurial passion Um to drive results forward to make a change in people's lives so it's kind of like a really nice alignment between the mission of bunch which is to help everyone become a better leader um in very small bits of time in just two minutes a day and at the same time my personal mission which is basically helping people grow like beyond what they thought is they were capable of um so it's really really uh nice kind of coming together but what brought me to it is pretty much um kind of a my career was a combination of um working as an org psych uh entry-level psychologist at bmw group actually funny enough and working with a ceo of like a, a subsidiary um on their org culture at a time where org culture wasn't like a big thing actually i don't even think she called it org culture i think she called it hr strategy um as a project uh, so i i was from the very beginning, kind of focused on helping leaders to create better environments for their teams and like become more effective and impactful. And then I had a stint in our business consulting, like strategy consulting, quite traditional, like increase revenue, reduce cost type of consulting <laughs> uh, to learn the business side of things. Because I noticed as a psychologist, like I understand a lot about the dynamics in the workplace and about the individual's. And social relationships but not as much about the business side of things and in order to make any change in organizations you kind of need to understand that and you need to speak that language so i um acquired lots of the lingo there and also learned like excel and powerpoint and things like this <laughs> uh which i don't even use anymore because who uses powerpoint um and last but not least i also spent some time doing research on leadership and um organizational creativity under pressure actually for three and a half years in the Netherlands and um, then started my entrepreneurial career uh, from there. But that's kind of the the rundown.
0: That's, that is quite a journey. Uh, not many people will go straight into an entrepreneurial career. So that, that is quite a journey. Um, well, before we dig into your passion for leadership, because you clearly have a great passion for leadership, I want to first of all talk a little bit about what you believe it takes to be a leader. How important do you think it is to have some innate ability in this area as a leader? Because a lot of people say that, you know, oh, they're a natural born leader, all that sort of stuff. How important is that with all the research you've done? What do you think?
1: I think not important at all with one exception. Um, I think you can learn everything in leadership, but it does help you if you understand that you are limited in your capabilities. So the ability to self-reflect or to view yourself in the mirror and see limitations and try to understand where do I begin, where do I end, like what can I do, what can I not do, like a realistic self-assessment of who you are, what you want and what you're capable of at any given moment in time. I think some people have that more than others because they learn it in their families in their early days or because it's also a bit of like a personality trait to be more self-aware and uh, self-conscious. I think that is actually helpful. But aside of that, I do deeply believe that leadership is a set of behaviors and attitudes and a mindset frame rather than anything that has to do with personality or anything else that is like genetically predispositioned, et cetera, et cetera. But again, not to be super black and white about it. Like, of course, things like emotional intelligence, for instance, can also be helpful or like um, being a balanced person and being able to manage your own emotions very helpful as a leader I believe. but if you are motivated to be a leader and you want to make a difference for others and you want to support them on their growth, you can also learn how to manage your emotions better. like I've seen people doing that and improving in that so I deeply believe you can build what you need to the skills or capabilities that you need in order to be successful and leading others you can absolutely acquire.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you there. I think actually everything you've mentioned, I think to, to some more, some less, can be learned. The, the resilience piece, that bounce back ability, that being balanced, um, along with emotional intelligence, I you know I see this every day in my coaching practice. It can be learned. Actually, I'd say the biggest blocker, and the reason I ask this question, because the biggest blocker is the people that say yeah. it's all about being a natural born leader, and I'm like, actually, <laughs> if you have that mindset, that is a huge barrier to you changing because you you believe that there's no opportunity for growth in yourself yeah. or in others at that point. And as long as you've decided there's no opportunity for growth, that's completely damaging. Um, yeah. what, have you seen this yourself in the practice at Bunch now? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think growth mindset was one of the things that like changed my mind as a concept. Um, I think I've read mm. Carol Dweck's work. Um, yeah. 2009 or something or two 2000- thousand. 10 the first time i'm not sure whether i'm getting the uh, the year numbers right but I've, <laughs> I've read it as one of the first like psychology in business type of books and mm. it really changed my mind because i don't think i grew up in a growth mindset at household in a way like my mom is an entrepreneur she's very like um fierce and resilient but like she has a lot of beliefs or assumptions around people are either like better suited or less better suited to do things. And you have to focus on that. You have to focus on your strengths and like really like uh, exploit them. And to a degree, I don't think that's wrong. It's definitely like an easier path, but for me, it has never worked. I always found myself in these situations like with the PhD, for instance, where I was a good scientist. I think I actually like got an award quite quickly for the best dissertation proposal and whatnot. And I always was really unhappy about the speed at which like publications are accepted, the speed at which mm-hmm. the insights are being shared, how held back all the insights are, how we are like decoding and de- deciphering everything and like the normal person at work doesn't have any access to these type of insights mm-hmm. that we're producing. A lot of things that were bugging me about the academic world, but at the same time, I was good at it. And so I was trapped in this like feeling of that's what you have to do because learning from my mom like you need to exploit your strengths and you're good at it so you have to stick to that and I think it's very damaging because I wasn't happy it was not my purpose it wasn't my journey it wasn't my path and the path I chose after the entrepreneurship path is much harder for me it's much more challenging I think it's 10x harder for me to to be a good entrepreneur than it was to be a good scientist um And I still feel that's my, that's the right thing for me to do. It feels more rewarding. And so if I wouldn't have understood that growth mindset idea of Carol of like things that are hard are good for you because you grow, because Mm. you expand yourself, you become more and better version of yourself. Like if I wouldn't have unlocked that idea for myself, I think I would have been very stuck in my life. And I do think many other people too many other people still in in this world actually didn't hear about the concept, don't understand growth mindset yet, or or have difficulties adopting it as well. Like there's a lot of people that understand the idea, but it's very hard for them to not feel bad when they make a mistake.
0: Yeah, we all we all struggle with the whole feeling bad when we make mistakes. But yes, I would definitely concur that like many of us struggle with like okay I know the theory of the growth mindset but implementing it is tricky uh what I will say is we'll make sure that the link to the mindset book by Carol Dweck is in the show notes it's one of my favorite reads uh it's a, it's a game changer if you've not read it before or listeners so go ahead and either read or listen to that whatever whatever mode you like to take your books in um let's move on from that though because I could talk about growth mindset all day but we've got other topics that I really want to dig into um, how important do you think authenticity is in leadership?
1: It's a great question. I haven't made up my mind yet. I don't know whether I can answer that question um, fully. <laughs> like i I feel, I feel it's not a black and white. Like it's not an easy answer for me. Um, I personally can't really be out there, if you know what I mean. If I am not authentic, like I can't mm-hmm. really play as well. There are situations where I have to and I can, but it's really hard for me. Um, and so I still have this naive like idea of I can be myself and lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also learned that a lot of times, most of the times, leadership is about the others, not about you. 100%. And so <laughs> if you're a service provider... <laughs> You may or may not be authentic in a given situation, depending on how your mood is and how you feel and so on. And it may may not be helpful for the other person. So I feel it's like a question of what for, if you're talking about reflections and What can others learn from you? I think it's very important to be authentic, posteriori, like being vulnerable about what has really happened. What have you felt? Which decisions have you made? Because it really opens up the black box. And I think it helps a lot of people to see, I also have these challenges. Oh, I also felt the same. Oh, it's great to know there's other people struggling with this. Like, I think there is unity in vulnerability, right? Like, that's important for learning. But I think when you're in the moment and you're trying to help someone Um, make a daft decision or you have to I don't know let go someone or whatever like being authentic in that moment isn't really serving them well because I am very sad when I have to let people go and I guess thankfully I didn't have to do it very often but like every time it's really very 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 taxing so if I swamp my emotion on that poor person that has a much much bigger problem like it's not really helpful and so yeah I don't know there's complexity in the authenticity question.
0: I, I love that actually that you recognize there's that complexity, because I, I agree, it's not straightforward. People are like, oh, you have to be an authentic leader. And you, I teach about authentic leadership. And I also, I think it goes hand in hand with transparency as well. And I also believe that as companies, you know, you and I are both entrepreneurs running companies, um, but obviously I manage a lot of C-level executives as well, manage coach, I should say, <laughs> coach a lot of C-level executives as well. And this, you know, need for transparency, I do think it makes a better business But there are points when both authenticity and transparency are damaging, because as you say, our leadership is about other people, not about what we need. And it's very easy if you have the assumption of like both transparency and authenticity to fall into the trap of I need to be this way, rather than what does this person in front of me need to be extraordinary, to be motivated, to do what the company needs them to do and to feel good about it rather than what I need them to do because that will make me feel better and I've seen people at both ends of the spectrum all the way from not sharing anything because they think it's going to distract people which is very damaging because everybody spends all of their time going what's going on what's going on nobody nobody does any work because everybody knows the stuff going on that's not being talked about all the way through to oversharing every emotional expression that comes across somebody's face and i i often think that a good boundary is if you haven't emotionally dealt with something you shouldn't be sharing if you are still emotional about it it's too early to share because you don't have control of your emotions in that state would you agree with that
1: that's a really interesting um take on this i i haven't heard it before i do i think agree with it it's definitely better for the organization and the team. I'm wondering how realistic it is. And I think it also depends on the team, right? Like if I think about it in our um, team, for instance, we have, um, I think the relationships are very different. Like my co-founder relationship with Anthony is obviously um, can hold more space for each other. So if I still am very emotional and I'm struggling with something and I need his support as a partner and as a friend, like I can absolutely go to him and, ask him like hey can you listen to me this and this happened like I don't really know what to do with it help me like I I don't do it too often because I know he has his own like backpack to carry but I would live I would say I've never done this and I do think it is to a degree also a part of like our relationship at least and then it really depends and then there's other relationships in my team of course where my major role in the relationship is to be a guide and to be a coach and to be to hold space and so in these relationships it wouldn't be appropriate to just share the emotion Mm. um openly while i'm still processing but i i do think it depends on the nature of the relationship it is not as straightforward as to say like you can never share
0: absolutely absolutely and i do there is that appropriateness Although as um, some of my uh, clients who are listening, I know, listen to this podcast, some of them will know that as we get further up in, in our careers, it becomes harder. As you've highlighted there, our peers who can be for early on in our careers are often like, you know, you go into their office, virtual or otherwise, you shut the door and you have a bit of a, I need to either brainstorm this out with you or I need to complain at you because I just, I need to offload in some way. I need to process this in some way. But the higher up we go and the bigger our organizations get, the harder that becomes actually because, as you hinted at, Everybody has their own baggage, and you're all dealing with it. So there's a there's a delicate balance. Um, that's partly why I have a job, right? <laughs> a lot of my clients <laughs> will use me in that way to to work through things. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting one. I again, I could talk about that one all day. Maybe we have to do a follow up episode on precisely that when you've when you've had a few more years working in this area. Because I cannot wait to see where Bunch goes. Which brings <laughs> us nicely to your passion for leadership. Um, and we'll get to Bunch in a minute, but. You're clearly passionate about this and helping people to learn about great leadership. And you've hinted at where that came from, but let's get the full picture here. Where does that passion come from? Because very few people are as excited about leadership as you and I are.
1: I grew up with a, fa- like a businesswoman, right? So my mom is a businesswoman and I've seen her excel in many ways. Things including customer experience, how innovative the offering was, how much user research she has done, how dedicated she was to her business, and I've seen her struggle a lot with the people side of the business, uh, which almost like came, almost always came second, and and I always felt, well, that's kind of part of the problem. Like she's not thinking it holistically from the beginning. Like um, and and it's been such a struggle for us as a family often because every time there was a conflict at work somebody was unhappy or somebody was leaving or we needed to hire a person or whatever it was like a huge mess like it's <laughs> it the, the people side of the business impacts the business and the people in the business the most significant way mm. and so I felt th- this fascinated me to a degree because I felt like It doesn't really have to be this way like maybe it's just my mom (laughs) and so then i i studied org psychology and i learned about all these different frameworks and all these different like models and all of that like really cool stuff and a lot of solutions basically and then i started to work in the founder and then the startup type of space and noticed that many 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 founders have the exact same struggles as my mom and i was like mind blown because i didn't understand, ah, so it's not just my mom. Everyone struggles with it. Like, everyone struggles with relationships at work, how to hire, who to hire, how to keep them, how to build good relationships so that they can carry forward the business, how to execute as a team. This, like, whole idea of we organize ourselves at work so that we are happy, thriving, growing, and the business exceeds and um, succeeds just wasn't as straightforward, it seemed. And so I kind of, like, really, it never left me to try and understand how can we solve that riddle because it must be solvable. Like it's not, it can't be that hard because so many ideas in companies die because people can't figure out relationships or communication doesn't flow freely. So many companies die. So many problems don't get solved in the world because we get stuck in destructive behaviors and conflicts that can't be resolved, get personal, etc. And it really just like always it just, it it always drew me somehow. And I felt maybe that's something where I can actually help unlock a little and like unlock a black box and make it a bit easier for people. So to a degree, it was inspired by going through it as a kid with a parent that was struggling with it and then seeing it in a grown up life with my peers that were founders. And so I started working in, that area as a consultant and started educating myself more and more after the PhD as well, did a leadership coaching certification, etc., etc. because I was really, really curious to like get to the bottom of this. Like, why is it hard? How can it not be hard? <laughs> because I did believe from the beginning that everyone can get better at it. Like that was an intuitive assumption I always held. I never gave up on my mom, for instance, who <laughs> <laughs> um, was, you know, old at that time already and everything, but I always felt like I can shed light on some things i can share a framework with her i can have a conversation i can like change her mind about how to approach people things and um that somehow became this consulting business that i started and so that then became bunch but overall i think there is this um clear like belief that i think we can do better in it i don't think we as humans fully understand yet how we impact each other um how dynamics evolve how we can relate to each other better. Mm. Communication seems to be such a struggle still. So there's a lot to learn for us. And I feel that the learning options are really broken. And it's been this way, like the learning options are partly 50, 60 years old, be it like one-off workshops or just having the ability to only learn about it in person, in a closed environment, in a safe space with a coach, which is a really great way to learn, but totally not accessible for everyone. Like not everyone can afford that. It's very expensive. So there is just so much broken in the system, which then breeds an unhappy manager, somebody who carries responsibility that doesn't have the skills, that's really struggles, has emotional like roller coasters that then trickles down into the people that they lead. And so then we end up with, organizational level problems like disengagement and great resignation and all of these things start with that individual that is supposed to support people around them. And I just felt like, wow, that's such a, like, it's an exponential multiplier. If we can help these people to feel better, do better, be better, we have such an opportunity to level ourselves as humanity up and solve male problems in society. So that's kind of where I think the passion Comes from um, originally kind of experiencing it on my own skin, so to say, but then also rationally understanding this is a very impactful lever in mm. at work.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I certainly uh, my experience too is like just frustration with poor leadership and thinking, God, if we could do this differently, the world would just be a better place. <laughs> Uh, So I I love that that journey that you've been on. Well, tell us a little bit about Bunch explicitly. How is it different in its approach? You've hinted at that a little bit already, but what do you do differently at Bunch that makes it more accessible?
1: So I think at Bunch we are all about helping everyone to become a better leader. And leadership in that sense, we define really as impacting yourself and others in in a positive way. So just helping you succeed, helping the others around you succeed. So it's a really broad definition. So you don't have to be an explicit manager in order to get value out of bunch or to get value out of leadership learning, right? And I think what makes us different is um, we don't believe that the only way to learn about leadership is in heavy, long form, committed formats, which we know from the past or like which traditionally have been in that industry, right? Um, executive coaching is something that you typically should commit yourself to, like it doesn't make sense to have one session, you kind of need to do a few to work for a challenge. Or if you have um, leadership team type of coaching, which I did as a coach as well in my past, you typically have a series of workshops that you do in a regular cadence. And not that something is wrong with these offerings; it's just that this these offerings are really good for a particular purpose, and they're accessible for a small um, to a small group of people. And on top of that, what I observed when I was working in that like more traditional space as a consultant previously, I noticed that the new generation, and at th- at that point in time, it was mostly millennials, but now we have Gen Z as well in the workplace. They are not looking for long form, deep dive type of learning. They are looking for lightweight continuous type of learning. So this like dipping in and out, dipping in and out, coming back maybe a few times a day and then doing that over a longer period of time. So our learning formats overall and our media consumption has changed towards a more continuous, more lightweight type of um, pattern. And I was really excited because I felt what if we could break something so complex like leadership development and training down in very small bite-sized pieces and continue to build upon them on a daily basis. So what makes us different is that we deliver bite-sized, personalized, and continuous learning through engaging formats. It's kind of like you have to imagine it's a bit of a baby between like a, a tweet and an Instagram story, because basically every two-minute leadership tip is broken down into a few kind of like um, pages. And so you can flip through them, tap through them very quickly, kind of like you would do with an Instagram story. And it's very easy to consume. But the idea is that you learn something new every day and therefore build up actual real capabilities and skills over time. So it's not just random content. It's kind of what sets us apart, I think, from, let's say, a LinkedIn or a Twitter, where you just kind of have the feed and and you hope it delivers great content because somebody posted it there. We have a bit more curation and quality control in that sense. So um, the content actually is inspired by real leaders in the trenches um, that either are authors themselves and have written books or have recorded podcasts about it, or actually um, are still executives. Like um, a lot of our authors are like C level executives at um, companies or director level, VP level executives at um, uh, companies that we know today and we consume products of. So, Calm, for instance, is uh, an interesting one, Blah, Blah, Car. We have leaders from Apple, we have leaders from Google. So, there's a, a really good mix of people that are currently doing the work and have discovered something that worked for them to solve a particular challenge. And so our job as a bunch is to kind of decipher that or like decode that into something that you can consume very easily and quickly. And so enabling you to do that on a daily basis and help you to see how you're making progress over time while doing that. So that's kind of the, I think, innovative element to it. It's the shortness of the format and the continuation of uh, the learning journey.
0: Uh, have you got any metrics at this point for the impact it's having? Is that something you're tracking? I'm just curious here, like <laughs> innovative we ways do... of learning are always interesting to me.
1: Yeah, 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 I, I agree. And like as a former scientist, I uh, definitely dream about that, like, you know, scientifically backed <laughs> um, impact study. And I'm actually working on something right now with um a... uh partner we have at the um, London Business School that is a former colleague from the Netherlands, from the PhD program, is now an assistant professor. And um, so we're cooking something up in terms of impact studies. However, what we do have already is qualitative data, meaning we know that um, our users are um, moving up in their careers um, as they are learning alongside the bunch content. So we have um, a few examples like case studies that we've done where one user actually went from a team lead into a um, head of position through two promotions in less than a year. And um, of course, I believe that it's them doing the work and not only with our content, but actually on a daily basis. Um, uh, However, she um, did mention Bunch many times and did say that it really has helped her to unlock a few things to really see the world differently, to build a new perspective. And that has actually sped up her development and she attributes a lot of the promotional progress to to the learning with Bunch. But we have many of these type of examples, uh, which inspired me to kind of go and like see, can we measure that? Can we capture that in like real numbers? So it's not something we have yet, but something that we're working on.
0: Oh, that's extraordinary. I can't wait to see actually when you are able to get that data. Um, Okay, well, let's shift gears a little bit here. Obviously, pandemic, we are hopefully approaching post-pandemic, although there's a debate around that one. with that in mind what specific skills or behaviors are you seeing as the co-founder of bunch that women in particular because that's the audience of this podcast primarily what are you saying that we need to cultivate more of in our leadership careers as a result of this post-pandemic era
1: i still think so we've run a study actually um just at the onset so in um 2020, I think, second half of the year, we've done a study. We're like, what are the top three qualities for leaders to have today to be successful tomorrow or something like that? And the number one, like, by far mentioned trade or um, competency was emotional intelligence, which was named by more than 50%, which was really surprising for me back then because I felt like we kind of know that, like psychologists and coaches, but like the world or I think if we had um, 14,000 users at that point, And so more than 50% of those had said that um, they think that's very important. And I felt, oh, wow, I have hope. This is great. Um, I still believe that that's a crucial component to it. Now, what we learned since then, I believe, is that The biggest challenge for teams and companies right now, I believe, is to actually be able to deliver highly individualized support systems. So everyone wants to grow at work. We have understood that much. (laughs) That's great. And how can we enable those people to grow if they have very different locations, time zones, working patterns, ambitions, goals, and ideal work climates and how can we still bring all of that together so that it actually feels like a team moving into the same direction rather than a bunch of individuals kind of like being on their own islands. I think that's like the bigger challenge that I see and I hear when I talk to people and we also have a bunch. Um, So how to enable flexibility but at the same time create a very coherent and cohesive feeling at work and the feeling that you're pulling into the same direction. I think I don't yet know what like competency that maps to like one-to-one, but I definitely think emotional intelligence still plays a big role and just the ability to design for your audience. And so in that sense, almost like a customer orientation that we need to actually develop in our own like perspective, understanding that you're supporting and you're serving these people that you lead and they have different multifold needs. So how can you make it so that you actually satisfy and um, exceed their expectations? So I think it's maybe like a, a mix of customer orientation in a sense and, and and emotional intelligence that are the top two for me still.
0: Wow. Okay. So I've not heard the customer orientation one before. That is interesting. I have to look into that myself. Well, we are nearing the end of this recording. So one thing I like to do at the end of every episode is to give leaders a mindset tip to help them adjust how they act or think on the topic of the podcast today. I would love for you to discuss one, a mindset shift that is, that listeners can make to help them make their leadership development easier every single day.
1: I want to come back to the first, like the beginning of our conversation maybe, um, and and kind of talk about self-reflection and um, the ability to... Understand your own needs and at the same time your own limitations and your own capabilities as well. So, if I would, I would like if I had a wand and I could make it so everyone has a mindset shift and people are rethinking something. I think um, making it so that people perceive that thinking about themselves, what they need, what they want, and what they're capable and not capable of is just a Um, second nature to all of us instead of something that we have to push ourselves Mm. to do that is almost like prescribed or people tell you like it's good for you please do it I wish we would really really intuitively and deeply understand that that's just part of our human experience and part of like our learning experience and part of our leadership experience and I I didn't figure out yet how to make that happen so like how to actually cause that mindset shift but I definitely think if There is one thing that is worth thinking about on like a larger transformational scale, that would be it. I do believe if we would be more aware and humble with ourselves, we would have such an easier time to do almost everything we set out to do as individuals, but also
0: as groups. Oh, 100%. I completely second that one. Uh, that's amazing. And again, like as you, <laughs> because this is your area of expertise and your area of research and not just, you know, the product you make, as, as you find out more about this, I would love to have you back on the show to discuss your findings. I think that, you know, we could chat about this stuff all day. Um, well, we are, as I mentioned, we are running out of time. So how can people get in touch with you, Daria?
1: Oh, uh, super easy. First of all, um, I'm on LinkedIn and on Twitter. So I'm just looking for my name, Daria Goodnick, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. We'll do the trick. And uh, feel free to follow, get in touch, um, send a connection request. That's all good. And let me know if I can help. Um, I do have a goal last year. I already had it. And this year, again, to support specifically female entrepreneurs. So if you are building your own business or um, thinking about it, um, no matter whether it's a um, one person consulting business or a larger business, no matter what it is, please reach out and let me know how I can support. I will make time and prioritize and see whether I can um, support in in any way possible. Um, But other than that, of course, also um, downloading the app is definitely always worth a try. It's free. We will be launching our premium plan um, later this year. So currently it's still free. And we're doing lots of really interesting stuff there as well. AMAs that I host and um, where I interview... um, more experienced leaders, and so on. So we definitely can stay in touch there as well.
0: Awesome. And i make sure that all those links are in the show notes if you're listening and want to take Daria up on her offers there. Have you any final thoughts you'd like to share, Daria?
1: I think we've covered most of the things, maybe one actually, that I am still also trying to get better at. And I wish everyone, especially women in business and at work are getting better at is to listen to your own intuition and your own gut it's so 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 important it's so smart most of the time and it's so hard to listen to it so if you have any uh energy and space left make it make space for your for your gut and listen to it oh
0: i love it thank you so much this has been an absolute blast i i do think that with your passion for leadership and and just not just Um, sharing thoughts about it, but actually discovering what great leadership means. I I think we're going to have to get you back on the show at some point. This has been absolutely wonderful, Daria. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Tony. And I'd love to come back and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
0: So many nuggets of wisdom there from Daria. I am 100% serious. I need to get her back on the show as she discovers more. This research that she's doing on the side of being an entrepreneur I find absolutely fascinating. I can't wait to see some of the results she has. If you are interested in Bunch, make sure you head to the show notes. You can connect with Daria. You can also download their free app. All those links are in there. But remember, until next time, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the realm really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.